Let me start with a question. Do you guys sleep well? How is your sleep? Do you get a good night's sleep every single night? Is it a struggle to get to sleep? Do you wake up feeling tired and not refreshed? Well, if some of those questions are something that has been a concern for you, you've been struggling like myself to get a good quality sleep on a consistent basis, you might find this episode helpful. If you're someone who is absolutely 100% happy with the way you sleep, you wake up every morning, you feel refreshed, you're not grumpy, you're productive, you actually understand the psychology and the physiology behind what sleep does to our brain and our health and our longevity, then this is probably not the episode for you. However, however, I'm so excited to share with you seven principles on what I believe makes a good night's sleep, how to do that. We're going to share with you some practical tools. And at the end of the podcast, towards the end of this short series, I will share with you my best recommended books for a good night's sleep. So make sure you stay until the end. Guys, love and appreciate you. As always, give us a thumbs up, leave us a comment, tell us how else we can help you, share the love, and I really hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back ladies and gents, what is going on? This is Stefan from Better Brain. Welcome, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much for subscribing. If you're listening to the podcast, this is episode number 32 and today, oh my goodness, it's one of my favourite topics and one of my worst enemies at the same time and that is the science of sleep. How do we get good quality sleep? How do we actually hack this pandemic, epidemic, crisis in the world of lack of quality sleep. Because here is the thing, dudes and dudesses, when it comes to sleep, we often try to cheat ourselves out of good quality sleep. We tend to think that, you know what, I actually feel refreshed in the morning and I can get on by four, five, six hours sleep. And then you turn 35, then you turn 40, then you turn 50 and you realise that all your life you've been sleep deprived and let's not even mention those of your parents out there. So I hope and I truly hope that this episode will help you discover a few practical tips, tools, strategies and solutions on how to get a better night's sleep naturally. Because on this podcast, on this episode in this series, I would like to inspire some of you even if it's just one person at a time, that your health, your performance, your well-being, both physically and mentally, is one of the most important things that we have. People often say, my biggest asset is my time. I would argue to say that your biggest asset is your time, only if it's quality time. Nobody wants to spend the rest of their life in hospital. Nobody wants to be ill. Nobody wants to have less energy and not feel like... You've got this vitality throughout your day. So hopefully I can debunk some myths and I can explain some of the science behind sleep. At the end of the podcast, if you stay with me, I will share with you some of my favorite, favorite books on this subject. And I've read loads of books. I've done loads of experiments personally, and I've also suggested loads of things that work for my clients. So I truly believe this will be of value for you. Thanks guys, appreciate you and let's let's see. Let's see what we could do with this one. So, my point number 1 is about the importance of sleep and why do we actually sleep? Why is it that we need sleep? And as animals in the animal kingdom, it depends on 
many different things how much sleep you need. But humans in general, I think it's fair to say that seven to eight hours of sleep for an average adult is adequate amount of sleep. Anything I say on this podcast, anything I share with you when it comes to health and well-being is also subjective. We're all individuals, we're all different. So if I say that the optimum sleep for somebody is seven and a half to eight hours and all your measures in terms of physiologically and biologically and psychologically measure optimum by 6.5 hours of sleep on average, then that's absolutely fine. Uh, me, for example, I need about eight hours of sleep in order to get um, the most out of my body, my mind and my day. So the reason why we sleep are mainly threefold. Number one is for energy. In order for you to reserve some of the energy that you expend throughout the day, we need to we need to sleep, we need to rest. Your brain is such an expensive organ, so it definitely needs to rest and recover, which leads into my second point, and that is repair. We need to repair our tissues, we need to repair our cells, we need to repair our organs, uh, we need to repair our nerves, and that happens only, and it happens the most effectively when we get a good night sleep. Even if you think that you're doing okay on six hours, I would argue that there's a lot of things that are not optimal. It's a little bit like driving a Ferrari and your car is limited to 40 miles an hour. You're still driving, but you know how much more you can do. And the same with the human body. Most of us just, just get by each day without even knowing, without even appreciating how much more there is to health and well-being. And the third and final point in terms of what the science suggests why we sleep is to do with memory, memory consolidation. There are a few theories and, and um, sort of a few uh, papers that you can read about how in order for you to consolidate memory and things that are important for our survival, you need to sleep, you need to repair your brain, your tissues and your cells. So now we know sleep is pretty important and it's pretty cool and not the most exciting, I guess, of topics. However, you know that if you struggle with sleep, you know how difficult it is to even appreciate um, waking up and actually feeling refreshed, even to comprehend what does it feel like to have a good night's sleep. And the reason why I say that to you guys is because I'm one of those people. I've always struggled with my sleep. And then I see my other half and she's asleep next to me within three minutes. She wakes up, she's like, a new person every day and for me it takes me at least half an hour to just cognitively and physically get moving and I have to work for it I have to work for it every single day every single night every single morning I have to put tools in place I have to put these practices that I'm going to teach you to actually get a good night's sleep it just doesn't come for me naturally I've um, thought of the idea that some of it is genetic because my parents none of them sleep well mom dad same but that that could have given me the excuse to think that, well, if my mum and dad don't sleep well, what are the chances of me sleeping well? However, I promise you, when I do those things, my sleep dramatically improves, dramatically. So when it comes to sleep, one of the best and most effective ways to think about how important your sleep is, is if you take it back hundreds of thousands of years ago of what the, the the natural human evolution was like. There wasn't light, there wasn't TV, there wasn't screens, people weren't drinking coffee last thing at night, people weren't um, 
necessarily stressed to the point where they're going to plan their day tomorrow and meetings and so on. So all these, uh, how should I say them, uh, evolutionary societal barriers and labels that we've developed over time certainly can affect our quality sleep because of our circadian rhythm. And your circadian rhythm is just like your body clock, your natural intuition, your natural cellular, physiological, biological process to tell you when is a good time to go to sleep and when is a good time to wake up. Now, back in the days when we didn't have electricity, when we didn't have television, when we didn't have smartphones to look at at 11.30 in the evening, it was very easy to know when to go to sleep, when the sun went down. And it was very easy to wake up naturally with the sunlight. However, we've completely lost this transition of nature versus um, versus what happens now. So I want you to think about four steps that I've developed that I want you to consider when we talk about something called sleep hygiene. And sleep hygiene is a funny, it's not a funny thing at all. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing to me because somehow dentistry, and I'm going to use dentistry as an example, have developed a very effective way to teach society that it's important to look after your teeth from day one. Otherwise, we get teeth problems. Now, your effort of looking after your teeth, looking after your diet, brushing your teeth, flossing, um, mouthwash, eating foods that are not high in sugar, avoiding sugary drinks, having regular visits to the dentist and the hygienist, those um, strategies and principles are, are directly proportional to how long the, the health of your teeth will last. So you might get a bad tooth at age of 21, you might get a bad tooth at age of 71 without having any problems with your teeth in the past. So why on earth have we decided that your teeth are so important and we don't do anything about your sleep, as an example? And there are many examples I can give you with that, but I think whoever coined the term sleep hygiene uh, needs a big microphone to tell the world that it's as important, if not more important, than brushing your teeth and having a shower and eating and taking your car to the garage for maintenance and cleaning your windows in a house and dusting and hoovering. All these things that, like, you are technically looking after your material stuff better than the stuff that really matters, which is your health and your well-being and the quality of your life. So, think about those four points when we talk about developing a, a good sleep hygiene. Step number one is to develop a very regular and similar routine day in, day out. It, it has to get to the point where it feels boring to, to actually uh, know what's coming up when it comes to preparing for a good night's sleep. And we're going to break that step one into many more little details in a minute. And I'm going to give you all the tips that I use personally in my life and recommend to some of my clients who might struggle with sleep. So that's step number one, is developing a routine. In order to have a good sleep hygiene, you also want to make sure that you know what to do, but also to apply it, to apply it. So these things, let's say, just as an example, if I say to you that you need to wear your anti-blue light glasses, which is stuff I'm wearing right now, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, as soon as as soon as the sun starts to go down and as soon as you start to expose yourself to um, LED lights, laptops, phones, TV, then it's good to know that you have to wear your glasses. But unless you have 
a reminder, unless it's automated, unless it's got like a, this visual cue, then you're not likely to follow that particular, um, in order to actually apply that particular piece of information. So for example, I have two pairs, I have one upstairs and I have one downstairs. So that means that I place them in a, an area where I can see that these glasses are there for that particular time of day. If I sit down and watch TV at night, they are next to the TV or next to the, the, the table in our living room. If I'm upstairs in my office and I'm having calls and I'm replying to emails, I have a pair upstairs so I can see them in front of me. And you can apply that to many different areas of your sleep hygiene, but that's just one example. So make sure that you understand the importance of routine, make sure you understand the importance of sleep hygiene, but also you apply it. You put the freaking thing together and you actually do it. Nike said it, just do it, no excuses. Um, step number three is consistency. Step number three, when it comes to having a good sleep routine, following a good sleep hygiene example is actually being consistent with it. It's no good having a good night's sleep and then for the next four nights you drink alcohol at 10.30 in the evening thinking it's going to help your sleep. It's no good having your LED lights sorted in upstairs and then just before you go to bed you expose yourself to loads of blue light downstairs, you watch TV for three hours, you're on your phone on TikTok at 12 o'clock uh, midnight. So the consistency is a very, 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 very important topic that perhaps we can even do a separate podcast on because when it comes to consistency, people think there is magic in looking good, feeling good, having successful business, having a good relationship. There's no magic about it. It's just doing the right things long enough and creating small incremental changes within that particular area of your life that you want to improve. Whether it's dental hygiene, sleep hygiene, today's topic, whether it's losing weight, whether it's becoming more productive, whether it's opening a business, you need to be consistent and you need to do the, the right things consistently because consistency also means you can very easily fall into the trap of doing the wrong things consistently and then it's difficult to get out of these habits. So I hope I inspire a lot of you to implement a good quality routine and I'm going to talk about that in a second and actually apply it day in, day out. Again, don't feel too guilty or, or blame yourself if you have a night where you have um, drinks with friends or you go out and you have a celebratory dinner and you feel so full because you had an amazing dessert. That's fine. It's fine. But at the same time, um, look at the 80-20 principle. We've made another podcast on that and it's one of the, my favorite rules that I follow when it comes to health building, wealth building, happiness um, and just having good balance in life. And finally, step number four is, so we have, so far we have routine, we have application, we have consistency. And step number four I've written down is actually trial and error. Now, I appreciate that I've read loads of books and I've, I've, I've worked a lot with people on their sleep hygiene and improving their, their evening and morning routines, but everything has an exception. So every rule has an exception. In fact, if I was to, let's talk about my girlfriend again. If I was to say that my girlfriend has an amazing sleep, quality, I would actually argue that her routine is pretty bad. She doesn't follow any of the rules that I talk about tonight, but she has an amazing quality sleep. Now, I don't think that is the rule. That's the exception of the rule. And very often, 
when people become resistant to change and to be open about um, just looking at things in a different viewpoint, they often give me the excuse of, uh, the excuse of yes, but. I say, what do you mean, yes, but? They say, well, yes, Stefan, but what about your girlfriend? Oh, yes, Stefan, but what about this person who smoked and they lived until 100? Yes, but what about this person who was drinking loads and loads of wine each night and they were slim and skinny and, and happy and they slept well? Well, I understand that. Like I said to you when I first started the podcast, everybody's different. We all have different needs, different wants, different desires, different genetic makeup, different psychology. However, those kind of people shouldn't necessarily be the rule. They should be the exception to the rule. Um, just like if you cross the road, you have a chance of survival if you're blindfolded and you might not get hit by a bus or by a car and you might get lucky, but chances of you surviving and removing that blindfold are much higher. So knowing that sleep is important, knowing that sleep affects your quality of life, your weight, your mood, your energy levels, your productivity, even your longevity and not doing anything about it you know, it's probably not the wisest decision ever without me being too judgmental, right? So let's talk about establishing the routine. What are the things that you can do, guys? What are the things that I do? Um, I wouldn't say every single night. I would be lying if I said to you that I do these things every single night. But just like you, I'm human and I try to just be better every single day. So the, fir the first thing when it comes to developing a good quality night sleep is having the same time of going to bed and waking up first thing in the morning. For me, I've tried to do this at 10.30 every evening and wake up at 6 or 6.30 every morning. For you, that might be different. Now, that doesn't mean I'm asleep by 10.30. That means I'm in bed by 10.30. Because the next few steps will identify and show you how being in bed and being asleep are almost two steps that should be connected, but they are different. So what I mean by that is go to bed and allow yourself half an hour to 40 minutes to actually get comfortable, to relax, to read the book, to maybe put some pink noise, which is just wavelengths that are very monotone and they're good for the brain to reduce in terms of excitement. Don't go to bed one hour before your sleep time on your phone, on your iPad, watching TV, uh, because you know that's going to be detrimental for your sleep. Watch, have your bedroom for sleep and for other activities that I'm not allowed to say on this podcast, but also use it for relaxation. So as soon as you go to bed, I tend to spray some lavender on my pillow, which smells amazing and it's proven to help with sort of reducing uh, stress levels and improving your quality sleep. And, and don't think that when you get to bed, you have to be asleep. It takes a while for your body and your circadian rhythm to get in balance for you to actually be ready to go to 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 go into deep sleep. So, number one, when it comes to routine, is developing and establishing same time going to bed, same time waking up. Same time going to bed, same time waking up. I have one maybe exception to this, and that's for people who work shift patterns. For example, nurses, doctors, um, police officers, firefighters. For you guys, you can still have irregularly regular sleep pattern, meaning... If you have night shifts, go to bed at the same time, wake up at the same time. If you're on evening shifts or AM shifts, or, sorry, day shifts, do the same. For example, if you work from Monday to Wednesday in the mornings, wake up at the same time, go to bed at the same time. If from Thursday to Sunday you work in the evenings and during night, 
wake up and go to bed at the same time. Still have that regularity within your shift patterns. The second point I want to discuss is the light exposure. I've talked enough about this podcast, so I want to highlight it that it is super important. And actually, there is some new research coming out when it talks about brain activity and the hormones that your brain needs to release in terms of melatonin and so so on and so forth to help you sleep. And it's not just about blue light and it's not just about your retina. So you see me wear these glasses. That's not going to be enough if actually my whole body is exposed to light. Even if it's dimmed, even if it's not LED, it's not that it's the blue light, but sometimes it's actually the exposure to light that doesn't help you sleep. So in our bedrooms, we have, um, I, I wish I could show you, but they're like Himalayan salt lamps. They're quite big, but they are super, super dimmed. And we never switch on the actual lights in the bedroom. We don't switch them on. We just have that light on when we're getting ready to bed or if I'm reading a book or if I'm just um, doing some, some breath work, right? So that's super important. But again, go back and listen to some of our uh, YouTube videos or sorry, watch some of our YouTube videos or, or listen to some of our old podcasts about the exposure to blue light and how that affects your melatonin level to a, a very different, uh, different scale. Number three is to do with your last meal. So you don't want to have your last meal too early prior to bedtime, but also you want to, and there is some research showing that having some healthy complex carbohydrates with your last meal can help improve your sleep. Now, that is somewhat controversial to what people may think about weight loss, but I have no problems with carbohydrates if you're overall nutrition and diet is healthy and your lifestyle is healthy and happy. So including some yams, some some white rice, some different types of rice, some sweet potatoes, some normal potatoes, when your dinner is shown to improve the release of some hormones, therefore improve your quality of sleep as a last meal. Now, if you're struggling with weight, if you're struggling with sort of heavy meals at night, you might want to reconsider that, but that's just what the research is showing. The fourth point that I want to discuss is something we already mentioned, but make sure that you go to bed without the expectation that you're going to fall asleep straight away. If you're one of those lucky people, like uh, I said to my, my partner, fantastic, don't change anything. However, if you're someone like myself that you really need to f- um, work for your night's sleep, don't be too harsh on yourself. Don't feel guilty or feel like you've got this high expectation of falling asleep straight away as soon as your head hits the pillow. Your bed should be an area where you are preparing to get a good night's sleep, which might include, like I said, lavender, a relaxing type of read, nothing too that nothing nothing that stimulates your mind too much. I remember I read um, The Theory of Everything by Stephen Hawking and I, (laughs) for that month, I just didn't sleep. I was thinking about these huge questions he talks about, such as, um, you know, does God exist? Can we travel in the future? Are we going to die? What's a black hole? All these things that now in retrospect, I think, and I think, well, of course my mind wasn't going to shut off. I was just constantly thinking about these huge concepts. And that is why uh, one of my sort of points that I'm going to make later is exactly to tackle that problem of overthinking. Because I know with my private clients, when we spend sometimes 45 minutes, sometimes one hour just talking about that one point and developing strategies to tackle that, 
I know that's a problem with many people. It's overthinking, thinking a lot about the next day. So as well as going to bed and finding ways to relax yourself, I want you to start journaling. I want you to start putting things down on paper, um, get it out of your mind kind of thing. If you have a problem and you think like, tomorrow I need to wake up and go to the gym early, otherwise I'm not going to feel good for the rest of the day. Tomorrow I have a big meeting, tomorrow I have a big interview, I had an argument with my girlfriend and I'm not sleeping well. Write stuff down on a piece of paper. There is something magical and something so powerful about um, journaling, reflecting, assessing your thoughts, but also not keeping them in here, not keeping them in your mind, in your head, so that your mind can start wandering as soon as the bedroom is quiet and it's dark and you're meant to be doing the best thing in the world, which is sleep. Right, so I hope that helps. Um, and finally, well, well, there's one bonus one, but the final point that I've written down here is make sure that your temperature in the bedroom is right. This is again subjective, but I will give you the geeky answer. And for human beings, the ultimate the optimum temperature for good night's sleep is between 16 and 18 degrees Celsius, which is somewhat on the cooler side that I thought it would be, but it's between 16 and 18 degrees. Some say, some say between 16 and 19, but again, it has to be cool because your body has to develop this. What happens is your body actually tends to be quite hot when you go to bed, then it has to cool down, then it kind of heats up again. And that, again, is actually very interesting how it's linked to your circadian rhythm and the chemicals that your brain produces in order for you to know if it's time to go to bed or if it's time to wake up. Which means leads me to my final point, guys, and that is not what we do in the evening to get a best night's sleep, but what you do first thing in the morning. And the first thing I would like you to do is not to hit the snooze button, but to get up. Ideally, if you're lucky and if you have the luxury of waking up without having to wake up to an alarm, that's amazing. But remember, same time each morning, open the curtains and allow your body, your skin, your eyes, your retina to be exposed to natural light. For my friends in Norway, in Sweden, in winter, tough luck. You guys have to get one of them lamps, which increases... Uh, they're really, really cool. I'm actually going to maybe put in the show notes, but basically you can get a lamp, which um, you can set up the timer and you can start increasing the light that it exposes to the point where, where you're meant to wake up, the whole room is bright. And that's just kind of like um, almost mimics the sun rising first thing in the morning. Guys, I hope that was helpful. I hope that was helpful. I want you to think about those six or seven points that we discussed. And as always, if you have any questions, let me know. I promised you that I'm going to be sharing my favorite books on sleep. A lot of the information that I've shared with you today is not just experience that I've kind of developed over time, but also actual science. And I am a huge, huge fan of reading books and reading books the right way. I actually have another topic that I'm going to make a podcast about is how to effectively read. I have this uh, mission that I read at least one book a week, but I probably go between one and three sometimes. On top of that, I listen to loads of podcasts and on top of that, I do my research. So um, it's completely changed my lifestyle. When I was, this is embarrassing to admit, but I believe I read my first book at university, age of sort of 18. And I was a very different child when I was younger compared to what I do now, but it changed my life. It changed my life and it kind of led me on this uh, self-development journey and it, it really has improved the quality of my living. 
it's not it's not an exaggeration so i believe books are phenomenal why wouldn't you leverage people's knowledge and experience people have been doing it for years so let me share with you five of my favorite top recommendations for a good book on how to sleep for those of you who are interested in in diving deeper into this topic unless you want me to be a coach i can teach you stuff much quicker but anyways, I had to drop that in there. Guys, let's go. So the first book that I've written down is by Matthew Walker and it's called Why We Sleep. Why We Sleep. By the way, I have no affiliation with any of these with any of these books. They are purely just books I've read. I found helpful. I understand the science behind it. I know it's true. Some of them might have somewhat conflicting evidence because I have five suggestions, but that is a big part of becoming healthier is doing your own research. So the first book, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. The second book is The Sleep Book by Dr. Guy Meadows. Third book is The Sleep Revolution by Arianna Huffington. The fourth one is The Sleep Solution by Chris, uh, I think I've written Winter, but I'm terrible with names. I just remember the titles. Chris Winter, who's actually an MD, The Sleep Solution. And finally, a book which I quite enjoyed. Um, hopefully, a lot of you know Sean Stevenson. He's got an awesome podcast. But his book, one of his first books, was called Sleep Smarter. Sleep Smarter. And again, I just encourage you guys to take action, right? We talk about this concept of information and how important it is to know the right information. But also, we need to apply it. So... Pick one or two of these points, apply them to your life, trial and error. I hope you liked it. I'll see you guys next time. And as always, if you leave us a five-star review, it really, really helps with other people finding out more about our podcast, more about our um, YouTube videos. Like, share with friends and family that you might think will be helped by this kind of information. Love and appreciate you guys. Peace out. And remember, it's all in your mindset. If you know how to change your mind, how you can change the way you think, you can literally change the world around you. Peace out.